The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And today I want to introduce to you Mindy Gorman Plutzer, and she's the owner and creator of the Freedom Promise. It's a functional nutrition and eating psychology coaching practice. And she had some disordered eating. And so the title of today is going to be Love to Eat, Hate to Eat, How to Get Rid of Disordered Eating. So welcome, Mindy. Uh, Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So tell us a little bit about what got you into this whole coaching of disordered eating. I like to say that I turned my pain into purpose. Mm. I struggled with disordered eating, which morphed into a clinically diagnosed eating disorder of purge type anorexia since my early teens. Um, I learned at a very early age that it was safer for me to stay out of the way, not ask for too much, and um, pretty much figure out that I could do a lot on my own. And coupled with that, the fact that the loving family I grew up in, although it was complicated, um, my parents had weight issues, as I know now, really food issues of their own. So we collectively started a diet every Monday morning where we would literally eat as few calories as we could. And this lasted till Friday (laughs) when it became, went from famine to feast. And during that time, I discovered in my mother's medicine cabinet, a plethora of laxatives, diuretics, and over-the-counter appetite suppressants that I would very generously help myself to. Now, like most people, that developed an eating disorder. It started with dieting and that love-hate relationship that I had with food. So I I love the way you've titled this segment. But I I need to say and add the caveat that not everybody that goes on a diet will develop an eating disorder. But in my experience, clinical experience of 25 years of coaching and counseling, I've never met anybody with an eating disorder that hadn't started with a diet. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I personally was bulimic in my early twenties, like between 20 and 23 or something around those, those dates. So, and it was, it was always about dieting because I was constantly depriving myself. And then as soon as I deprived myself for so long, I would be like, okay, then I would go and get, you know, a dozen donuts or a bag of chips, and then I would feel guilty and then purge. And then the cycle would just continue to go from there. So let's talk a little bit about some practical solutions. So let's, first of all, what are some things that people need to do right away to say, okay, I'm going, that's why I started intermittent fasting. Cause the, the nice thing about intermittent fasting is yeah, I'm, I'm not eating for, for a certain time, but then when I am eating, I'm not depriving myself. So I'm eating whatever I want in that window, but I'm not eating all day long. And so that's one of the things I love about intermittent fasting is it allows you to indulge in some, some different foods that you are craving and want, 
but still being able to be thin. So talk a little bit about some healthy steps that you have advised people on solutions of how to break this nonsense. What you just said touches on so much of what I profess and what I offer to my clients. First thing is you're speaking to mindset. Okay. Mindset is key to recovery, recovery from anything, you know, and what is recovery? Regaining what is lost or taken from us. So we want to take back our lives. We want to have a relationship with food that is loving, joyous, and free, which is what you're speaking to. And the mindset that you're talking about here really speaks to several issues that come up for me. The first is the mindset of abundance versus the mindset of scarcity. When we're in that restrictive mode, that um, the thinking that is so um, informed by diet culture, we're really in a state of scarcity, right? I'm going to eat this bag of cookies because then I'm not going to eat them for two weeks. Mm. I'm going to go to Soul Cycle five times this week, you know, to make sure that I get rid of all these cookies, right? But when we're coming from a mindset of abundance, like you're talking about, knowing that you need not deprive yourself. You're coming from a place of gratitude and true love for yourself, right? When we're operating from that mindset of control, we're not operating out of self-love. We might think we are. We might think that we are exercising self-care when we're being restricted, but we can't control what we don't trust. And if we don't trust our bodies, we don't trust our hunger, if we don't trust those cues that tell us we can stop when we've had enough, that's not self-love. So the first step is mindset. And part of that mindset is understanding that the overeating, the binge eating, the underfeeding, the restricting is not the problem. It started out as a solution. So the first step in towards the solution, and, and I'm not inferring that this is easy because it's a process and it's not linear, but the first step is not only awareness of why you're overeating or undereating, but after awareness has to come curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the emotions that I am afraid of processing? What are these comfort foods doing for me? What am I really hungry for? Um, if I'm restricting in an effort to control, what is it that I'm afraid of? So it's not as easy as saying, well, you know, eat less, exercise more, or do X, Y, Z. It's really about learning to really to let go. Let go of parts of the story, the story that's driving the behaviors, the story that's no longer serving. So transformation is less about what we do to change and more about what we let go of in an effort to be the change. Well, so one of the things that I hear people say all the time is, well, I'm an all or nothing person. 
And so they say, you know, if I'm going to eat sugar, I'm going to eat carbs, or I'm going to eat whatever it is, then if I'm eating it, I'm eating it. And so the problem is, is that that creates that binge eating cycle because they feel deprived, then they have an overwhelming urge to eat, then they binge, then they feel out of control and ashamed, then they diet to gain control. And now that cycle feeling deprived, overwhelming urge to eat, value binge, it starts over and over and over. And so, you know, I always say it's like, you know, definition of insanity is doing things over and over and expecting different results. And so people go, okay, well, yes, but I'm going to deprive myself of this. This time I'm really going to do it. I'm not going to have any sugar. I'm not going to have carbs. I'm going to do keto or whatever it is. Can you talk about that for just a second? Yeah. Again, Chantel, that speaks to mindset. Deprivation is a mindset. The, the flip side of that is empowered choice. It's true. There are people that are more sensitive to sugar than others. There are those who are more sensitive to the morphine-like substances in gluten the, um, and the morphine-like substances in casein, which is in dairy. So they're going to absolutely have a chemical reaction when they eat those foods. Embrace that. So rather than saying, I can't have, say, I don't have, or I'm choosing not to have because I'm choosing to feel a certain way. Can you see how reframing mm -hmm. that self-talk can shift the mindset? Hey guys, I wanted to tell you I'm offering a free weight loss virtual Bible study. Now is the perfect time to focus on understanding true hunger and fullness and learn what the Bible has to say about it. All you have to do is go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study. After you sign up, you'll receive a six week Bible study video that you can watch on your own or you can get a small group of people and do it together. That's ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study for your free six week Bible study course. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a really big step and, and understanding also about deprivation. You know, being self-indulgent in an effort not to feel deprived ultimately only deprives us from being the most vibrant version of ourselves. It deprives us from being true to our intentions. It deprives us from standing in the values that we hold dear when it comes to our health and, and our self-worth. Yeah, and I think one of the things that people need to realize, too, is that I've seen people who say, well... I feel terrible when I have gluten or I feel terrible when I have dairy. And I say, okay, well, you also need to try if you have small amounts of it, do you feel bad, right? Because if, you, if you're eating dairy and you can eat, you know, for me, if I have a little bit of dairy and certain types of dairy, I feel fine as long as I have a little bit of it. As, if I start eating too much of it, I'm going to feel terrible. But again, it's like, if you have too much of anything, you're going to feel terrible too. And so you just, how do you balance that? Like, what is, what is your opinion of what you're telling people of how do you create that balance? The first thing is connection to self. One of the things we didn't mention is that an underlying common denominator 
of most people who struggle with any form of disordered eating is that they are totally disconnected from the body. They're disconnected from their hunger cues. They're disconnected from a lightness of being that comes with that innate worthiness. So when we're living all up, up here instead of here, it's very difficult to know what your body is telling us. And a very big part of nutrition and good health is not so much what we're eating, but what our bodies are doing with what we're eating, which is basically the, the principle of functional nutrition, functional medicine. You know, how our bodies are reacting to what we're putting in. And that's going to look different for you. It's going to look different for me. So when we tune into that, and we listen to the symptoms that are really messages calling for our attention, we can then become empowered to make the choices, the choices that we need to feel our best. Mm, I love that. And I think that because it can be hard to recognize hunger and fullness cues. And that's why I love intermittent fasting. And I love like, so for me, um, what helped me with my disordered eating was I had to get to the place where I did have to fast until I heard my stomach growl. And then I knew, okay, when my stomach is growling, now I can eat, now I can eat just enough to fill my body. And I know that I'm eating for physical hunger and I'm not eating for mood and emotions. I'm not eating because I'm bored or angry or stressed or depressed. I'm eating because my body is physically hungry during that time. And some, there's something really valuable about what you're talking about. The conventional treatment community would think that intermittent fasting is a huge no-no for someone struggling with an eating disorder. I don't know that I would recommend it for somebody who is a restrictive type. Anorexic, it would be. Right, okay. But I have suggested and recommended intermittent fasting for my clients that struggle with particularly nighttime binging. But there's a key element here, and I'd love to hear how you solve that for yourself. What it does when you are in that fasting window and you know that you're not going to be eating until the morning, that you're choosing not to eat until the morning, again, there's mindset. Mm -hmm. You're learning that you can face your feelings, you can deal with the negative emotion, you can deal with whatever it is that you were binging in an effort to check out from and develop healthier habits and new tools. So for, for those reasons, you're manifesting the fact that you can be empowered and you can rely on tools other than food to self-serve. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, I think, a wonderful tool. It's not for everybody. And I wouldn't say that everybody can just jump on the intermittent fasting bandwagon without support, support from a mentor, a therapist, or a coach to help them see that they can get through those trying times, get through those, those emotions that need to be processed, that their binging offers an escape from. Am I making sense? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the the only thing about intermittent fasting that I think people need to be careful with um, if they have an eating disorder is that if you tend to wait until you're 
absolutely ravenous. And so I talk about the eating scale. And at one point I talk in my first book. So I wrote my first edition and then I I had so much more to say. So I made a second edition, but in my first book, I talked about being hamster hungry. And I had a friend of mine who, when I was younger, I was like in second grade or in elementary school and she just got a new hamster. They went out of town. And when she got back, the hamster, the hamster had babies and the hamster ate the, the babies. And so if you Google like hamster eating babies, you'll actually see like over 4 million views um, about that. But I either call it hamster hungry or I call it hungry, hungry hippo. But I know for me, I have to be very careful that when I get myself to the point that I'm so, so ravenous, I have to have like a little right before I'm about to eat, I need to eat it some kind of snack, um, like right before, let's say I'm planning on eating at one o'clock that day, maybe at 1230, I might have a little something to kind of just have a snack and then eat my meal at one to kind of calm myself down. So I'm not eating so fast and out of control. Um, but I think that what I love about intermittent fasting is that you are answering that question am I truly physically hungry right now? And I wait every single day until my very first meal. I wait until I hear my stomach growling before I eat. So then I know that I'm only eating that first meal. Like my stomach's actually growling right now while we're talking. Um, but and you, it's funny because right around 1030 in the morning, that's when my stomach growls somewhere between nine and 1030. But I don't actually eat my first meal until usually around 12 or one, like I give myself a little bit more time. And then I'll eat my lunch. But then at least I know that I'm, I'm eating for physical hunger and not because I'm bored or because it's lunchtime or any other reason. That's a big part of it, you know, understanding the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger, or, you know, hunger that's brought about by stress. Physical hunger can wait. Physical hunger is patient. Physical hunger allows you to think about what it is that you want, whereas emotional hunger needs to be satisfied immediately. You know, it, it's more of an urge. It's a voice that drives the behavior. So one of the things that I hear people talking about so much is that they do a good, some people say, I do a good job of waiting until I'm physically hungry, but I'm not able to understand and recognize my fullness cue. Like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm still eating beyond full and they can't figure out how to tell when they are full. How do you engage those fullness cues? the same way you engage the hunger cues. If you rate your hunger, excuse me, just get a sip of water. If you rate your hunger on say a scale of one to five, one to 10, where middle of the road is, is where you're approaching to start to eat. You do the same thing with your fullness. You, And again, it's that empowered choice. You start feeling comfortably full. Tuning into the body, there's that message again. Tuning into the body, being aware of your body signals, leaving the table, pushing the plate away, knowing that you can always come back for more. 
you know, if you're in that eating window, if you're practicing intermittent fasting, you can come back for more. So it's letting go of the diet culture instilled food rules or the messages that you need to clean everything on your plate. Awareness of that thinking, but then again, bring in the curiosity of where did those message, messages come from? How are they serving me? What were, what were the messages that the messenger received? Understanding and accepting the messages, finding compassion for them, and, and recognizing that there are parts of the story that need to be let go of. I love on your website, you have something called seven steps to stop fearing food. And I love that. Give us a couple of those steps. We'll have everyone go to the freedompromise.com and get all seven, but give us like a, a glimpse. Give us three of those steps. Well, I just want to say that the, um, the seven steps are an acronym for freedom. Mm. So F-R-E-E-D-O-M. Okay. So the first one, which basically is the foundation, but it's still the, the ultimate goal, is to find your enough, face your feelings, and feel the love. Feeling the love speaks to gratitude. Finding enough speaks to the fact that if you don't feel that sense of innate worthiness that I alluded to earlier, then the, the salad with grilled chicken or the brownie or the new pair of shoes or the first or second glass of wine will never do it from, for you when you're coming from that place of feeling not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, the third step, which is an E, eat when you're hungry, stop when you've had enough. So that step is where I introduce the difference between physical hunger, emotional hunger, and something I call toxic hunger, which is what happens when we are caught up in um, the product, uh, the products that are put out by food manufacturers that are manufactured to guarantee that we really cannot eat just one. So we talk about that. And then the, the fourth, the, I'm sorry, the seventh and final step is make sure you surround yourself with what truly nourishes you. So how are, how are you styling your life? How are you sleeping? What are your relationships like? How are you moving? How are you managing your stress? You know, and of course, nutrition and hydration, because what truly nourishes us, what makes us feel complete and truly nurtured is not going to be found in the kitchen. So those are the three steps. And um, how I came to my, my tagline of stop fearing what food will do to you and start embracing what it can do for you really came to me from my 25 years of experience working with clients. And I have to say, coupled with my own experience of fearing what food would do to me. And, you know, we say our clients are our greatest teachers. But in, you know, sitting with clients all these years and listening, that's what came up for me. And it actually helped me to see that that's what I was feeling and fearing as well. Hey guys, one of the things that will take your weight loss to the next level is coaching. You can either work one-on-one -on -one with me or one of our certified private coaches. If you'd like, you can schedule your free call. It's a 10 minute strategy call just to see if coaching is gonna really take you to the next level. 
The other thing is listening to the audiobook. Listening to the audiobook and getting the video course that I've done, people are seeing dramatic results. If you just listen to the audiobook 30 minutes a day, over and over and over again, and get the video course, go to ChantelRayway.com and check out the video course. You won't be sorry you did. Yeah, let's let's talk about portion size for a second because I do some coaching for folks for with intermittent fasting. And one of the things I have them do is take pictures of what they're eating. And one of the things that I have them do is let's say they're eating a hamburger and they can cut it into fours and you know, maybe eat half of that first and then maybe have three quarters of it. But basically getting through this idea of, hey, we're gonna we're going to eat, we've got to be eating less food, right? Like we're eating less food than we were before. Instead of eating the whole sandwich, we're eating half of it or three quarters of it and learning how to leave some food on their plate. Do you have any techniques that you can share like that, that can help people either slow down in their eating, that they can kind of reduce those portion sizes so they're not eating so much? Yes. Well, step four in the seven-step process is about mindfulness at the table. So you mentioned slowing down. That's key. That's one of the first um, homework assignments that I give my clients when we first meet to slow down. And my message to them at that point in the process is I'm not so much concerned about what you're eating now. I'm more concerned about how you're eating. So I want to bring focus to that. And to your point about portions, it's also very important for our clients to know that there are days when half that hamburger will suffice. And there are days that they might need the whole thing. Or there might be days when a quarter is enough. So that's where the greatest gift we can share with them is to slow down, to really chew food well, make it an experience, and again, listen to the wisdom of your body, and sit in quiet, get rid of the distractions, Um, of course, the devices, the magazines, Um, if conversation is distracting, do without it for a while, so that you can really listen. And I like to say, sit there long enough to hear the answer when you ask the question, even if it's uncomfortable. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, one of the things I always say with my family is like, my son will come to me and mom, he'll say, mom, can I have this? I'm like, no, that is chemical city. Um, No, you can't have that. It's filled with chemicals. And so, but I always have a ton of like healthy choices for him that, you know, maybe it's, you know, he he loves Nutella, so maybe I'll give him organic Nutella instead of just regular Nutella. Is there any kind of things that you love, like products that you love that are like kind of treats, but that are still nutrient dense for your body? Yeah, well, you know, um, the 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 pirate's booty. I know my grandchildren love the pirate's booty. We've gotten them off Cheetos and Doritos. Um, You know, the organic corn chips are great. Um, Of course, fruit, you know, fruit is, is nature's candy and vegetables. And, you know, children learn to love products, right? Um, If you, and children are intuitive eaters. 
And if we would only allow them to stay in alignment with that intuition, they would really be okay. It's, you know, it's advertisements, it's uh, marketing that really, really attracts them. In fact, I never forget this. When I was first studying to be an integrative health coach way back, one of the teachers that was teaching the course was Marion Nestle, who was in charge of the uh, School for Public Health at NYU. And she talked about the fact that in Europe, food companies were not allowed to market to children under the age of 12 because they were so, you know, impressionable. So I found that to be very interesting. Mm, I love that. One of the things that I have found that works really well with my coaching clients is I have them take a five minute break in the middle of their meal. So literally, let's say they're eating for, for eight minutes and to just push the food away for five full minutes and then they can go back to it. They can still eat more, but slowing it down. One of the things I personally still, I have to do that. I have to do the five minute kind of push it away because I have a tendency to eat really fast and I have to constantly work on myself. I still, to this day, sometimes will set a timer on my phone to see if I can try to hit that 20 to 25 minute mark because I love, I talk fast, I walk fast, I do everything fast. So for me, I have to be extraordinarily intentional about eating slowly. Any other tips for you to eat slowly and, you know, really elongate that eating experience? What you just said is brilliant. I love that idea. And of course, putting the fork down in between mouthfuls, you know, take a bite and then put the fork down um, and, and really turn the eating experience into one that engages all of your senses, you know, engage your sense of smell. And when, as you're chewing your food, feel how the texture changes. Picture, you know, it going down your throat and your body embracing it and, and make it that experience come alive. And one of the things that I didn't mention before about mindfulness is that when we're distracted, even negative self-talk is distracting and puts our body into a stress response. So if you're sitting at the table and you're questioning the value of that meal, you're questioning your body and how it's responding and you're fearful of what that food will do to you, you're putting yourself in stress response. When you're in stress response, you're not digesting, you're not assimilating, you're not absorbing, metabolism slows down and you're not there with your food. You're not getting the benefits. And in time, you could be putting yourself into a deficit. And then that, you're talking about vicious cycles before, that also leads to that overeating, restrictive binge, vicious cycle. You know, there's so much of physiology that impacts psychology and psychology impacting physiology that plays into this diet restricting binge cycle. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Mindy, tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Well, it's Mindy at thefreedompromise.com or um, my website is thefreedompromise.com. Instagram at thefreedompromise. 
and uh, you can go to my website and download some free gifts. I have the Seven Step to Food Freedom Guide. There's a free master class there. If online learning is what you like, I have a uh, course that speaks to and teaches the seven steps to food freedom. And in that course, it chronicles my own healing recovery and my own experience with recovery that was not linear, took me many, many years to get here. And I love sharing that. I love sharing how I turn pain into purpose. Um, I do the work that I do to embrace my recovery, but to pay it forward. I love it. Well, you guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.